This is Eric Corey, and thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. Now, what you're about to hear is something you have not heard before. A different story, if you will. My podcast, they take on social and political issues with a completely different approach. Always in an attempt to get us all to think about things a little differently. My name is Eric Corey, and here is a different story on the subject of racism. Now, as one who has worked his whole life to try to find a way to unify our country, I cannot shy away from this most treacherous issue. Because effectively, addressing race relations in this country has moved to the top of the list of national priorities. And now would be a good time to have that conversation. Because it won't always be page one news as some other event will eventually move into that spot. But that shouldn't change its actual place as a national priority. Because tomorrow we'll be talking about the next virus or presidential politics or immigrations or, well, you name it. We're always being jerked in different directions by the conglomerate of news organizations that set the agendas of what we're supposed to be talking about based on what they think is important. And that the national news reporting has become nothing more than agenda-driven political propaganda. Well, that certainly doesn't help. But we cannot let this moment pass without digging in and trying to answer the question and not allow the broadcast media to distract our focus. Because if you haven't figured it out yet, there is a very large segment of our population that doesn't find America as a place of prosperity, opportunity, and freedom that others know it to be. And this just cannot stand. In the same way as you would intervene to help a family member with a problem, or a close friend, or a co-worker, well, so must we intervene with a disgruntled black America. They have made their voices heard loud and clear, and it is our moral responsibility as a nation to listen. Now, I'm just a middle-aged white guy who had parents that gave me the opportunity to succeed. And succeed I did. You see, I see this country as an amazing place, and I can't understand how anyone cannot see it any other way. This is something I don't understand, something I will never understand. Not that I don't want to. It's just that I can never see the world through the eyes of others who did not experience the same life as me. None of us can. So I asked the question, what's it like to be a black man in America? The answers I got confirmed my earlier conclusion. I will never know what it's like to be a black man in America. I will never know what it's like to get followed through a retail store by security just because of the color of my skin. I will never know what it's like to be shouted at by a passing car with a hurtful racial slur. I will never know what it's like to get stopped and questioned by a cop for just walking down the street alone at night. That's the answers I got. When I asked the black people I know, that's how they responded. The same answer kept on coming up. Well, it was put in various ways. Simply stated, I was told that not a day goes by that I'm not reminded that I'm black. And I thought, yeah, man, I'd be pissed off too. But again, how, how can any of us who would not experience that America possibly relate to those feelings? How can we even begin to feel empathy for someone whose daily existence in this country is so radically different than our own? We can never know the anger or the disgust or the disillusionment that this treatment imprints on a person and how it must wear them down to a nub. These people that I asked were all relatively successful businessmen. No family guys, regular Joes. I assumed they were all experiencing the same America as me. 
I had no idea that they were being treated so differently by my fellow Americans. Let me clarify that. My fellow Americans don't treat people like that. Maybe it's because I only associate with respectful people and wouldn't tolerate those actions among my group of family and friends or business associates. Not that all my friends are perfect. They're just not ignorant. It's probably why I don't see it. I'm not there when it happens, but I'm told it does all the time. There's got to be a way that I, that we can bring about the kind of change that will end this disrespectful treatment of ordinary Americans who are no different than me and my family, but for the color of their skin. Now, let me clarify one other point that I made earlier. These days, I don't see the ill treatment of black Americans. I live in Southern California. Not that it doesn't happen here. I just don't travel in those circles where it does. I was born in Camden, New Jersey and grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia on the Jersey side of the Delaware River. Yeah, man, I've seen racism up close and personal. I know what it is, and I know the people who perpetuate it. I've seen disgusting acts of racism that would pale in comparison to what's happening today. I know it when I see it, and I know that it just simply has to end. I was fortunate to have parents that taught me better, and I have in turn taught my children And now they have taught theirs. We were taught that judging people by the color of their skin is absolutely unacceptable. And to look only at the quality of their character when you pick your friends or associates. So now that I've given you my point of reference and my view on the issue, I hope you will allow me to further explore the topic honestly, openly, and without fear of retribution by those who would keep this country racially divided to maintain their relevance. Now, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know who they are. They're the ones who fan the flames of racism and then ask for a donation so they can fight to end it. If they tell you they can make racism go away by you giving them money, that's the guy I'm talking about. Because it's always about the money. If I'm ever going to be known for something, I want it to be my absolute commitment to the premise that it's always about the money and the acquisition of power that it brings. We spend most of our waking hours of our life in the pursuit of money, be it our job or developing our business. Please don't insult me by telling me you're motivated by anything else when you drag your tired butt out the door every morning to go to work. Even me, yeah, I want my podcast to sell that I can make money. If I can make money at this endeavor, well, then I can focus all my efforts on my passion instead of swinging a hammer and building houses every day like I have for the last 40 years. And my passion is the same as yours, making this world a better place than when we found it. This, it's always about the money, absolute, but what applies especially when it comes to politics? I don't care what the subject matter is or what branch of government you're in, when you boil it all down, someone's getting paid, usually in the form of obscene amounts of taxpayer dollars. And you're a fool if you buy into the virtue signaling of anyone without also looking at what's to be gained financially. It's always sickening me to watch and listen to a politician pour out his soul with a feigned emotional appeal when I know it's just a ruse to create support for a spending program that financially benefits his supporters or the promise of a fat do-nothing job post-retirement. And when that emotional appeal plays on the issues of race, It makes it all that more disgusting. 
but it's also the news outlets, TV, radio, print, internet, doesn't matter. Because first and foremost, they are all for-profit organizations. The bottom line is always their prime motivation. Don't be fooled by their emotional appeal. They get readers and viewers and listeners to dial into their programs by sensationalizing social unrest, real or imagined. And you can spot them 100 miles away, just listen to what they say and how they create a train wreck out of any hint of social unrest for the sole purpose of garnering higher ratings and making more money. But the most despicable of all these is the politician who asks for your money to support his campaign with a promise to bring about change that never comes. And this is where I will plant my flag and the battleground of my fight. I was around during the civil rights movements of the 60s. I was young, but I remember it being a terrible time. And since we romanticize it as a time of a great enlightenment. Yet, here we are, over half a century later, and we're still protesting in large numbers for several weeks, triggered by another example of someone treating a black American as something less than human. The solution to bring about real change for black Americans that came out of the civil rights movement it was an idea to provide greater access to the halls of power for African Americans, as they were known back then. The belief was that if enough blacks were elected to public office, then they could better represent black people and bring about the substantial change and eliminate social opposition using the power of government. Now, since then, our country has elected black Americans to state and federal offices at every level of government culminating in the overwhelming election of a black president, twice. We all agreed back then that this was the plan to end racial division, and it has been successfully executed beyond anyone's greatest expectations. So how is it that we still have to protest for the obvious recognition that black lives matter? Because, as I said before, it's always about the money. See, instead of using these positions of power to provide the promised change that would lift black Americans out of poverty and provide the tools to succeed, they have achieved nothing of the sort. All the while rewarding themselves with fat government salaries, gold-plated health insurance, and luxurious retirement plans that everyday black Americans can only dream of. They've ignored the plight of black Americans and just taken the money. Could there be any better proof of this absolute failure than the weeks of protesting that followed the death of George Floyd or the jaundiced view of America that is shared by so many black Americans in the year 2020? 50 years and counting of promising a better life for black America, all the while keeping them enslaved by giving them the fish of public assistance instead of using that money to teach them how to fish. Instead of providing open waters and quality tackle, they fence them in by providing government-assisted housing in homes that they will never own. They pass laws that incentivize the destruction of the family unit by promising free money for those who will follow their rules. And they're constantly reminding black Americans that they are nothing more than victims that only they can help. Instead of providing a positive message of government-assisted self-reliance and national pride, Trillions upon trillions of taxpayer dollars spent year after year with the same promise of ending a problem that only gets worse. 
most estimates place the number around 12 to $15 trillion in the last 20 years alone, a staggering sum of money that is impossible to comprehend. But because greed will always be the primary default mechanism of government operatives, most of that money is gobbled up in bloated bureaucracies that fund community programs run by willing accomplices. Very little of that money ever finds its way to the end user. Because the way this money is spent, it's not based on some sophisticated model that we've built to study how best to bring people out of poverty and, and build self-reliance. It's not that we can't figure it out, given the power of unbiased artificial intelligence that should be used to determine such things. Hell no, that, that might actually solve the problem and put these race-based profiteers out of a job. And all that money would be spent somewhere else. God forbid. I don't care if some of you find this offensive. It's a cold hard truth that is made abundantly obvious by the images of passionate protest that so easily descend into violence that black Americans feel is the only way they can make themselves heard. These protests are acts of absolute desperation brought on by years of empty promises made by politicians who pander to them for the sole purpose of securing their votes and delivering nothing but the addiction of government cheese. To some of you, this just got partisan. You know, I, I wish it wasn't, but we all agreed back in the 60s that this is the best way to bring about the change that would raise the standard of living for previously oppressed people and establish the equality that is the birthright of every American. It's still the correct answer. We just need to find the right people. We all need to rethink our alliances and our motivations to properly answer this higher calling calling to fulfill the American promise of freedom and prosperity for all. If we truly want a better life for ourselves and our neighbors, especially those neighbors that don't look like us, well then it's time we start acting like it and opening our eyes to the obvious. The promise that all men are created equal has been in place for over two and a half centuries, and all this time later, we have yet to make that promise an absolute this is proof positive that we are much closer to our prehistoric ancestors than the technologically advanced and enlightened people that we fancy ourselves to be today. This is Eric Corey. I hope you just heard a different story. Thank you for listening.